Hi, this is Amy Ellis, and you're listening to The Humanitarian Engineer. This is part two of the three-part series on Matamoros, Mexico. In the last episode, we got some background and context about the current situation there at the camp for asylum seekers. In this episode, we'll be focusing on some of the technical constraints the engineers are dealing with in Matamoros. Today, I'm speaking with Krista Cook, a Villanova engineer who graduated with her civil engineering degree in 2015 from Louisiana State University. She then worked as a civil engineer for a year before joining the Peace Corps in Peru from 2016 to 2018. After that, she came to Villanova, where she recently earned her Master's of Sustainable Engineering, and she worked on numerous water and sanitation projects in Indonesia, Madagascar, Panama, and Mexico. And most recently, she's been working with asylum seekers on the U.S.-Mexico border for the past few months. Welcome, Krista. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Amy. Thanks. Glad to be here. Okay, so let's get started. My first question is, what motivated your interest in working on humanitarian initiatives? Yeah, good question, Amy. So I was working as a civil engineer in Baton Rouge right when I graduated with my undergrad. And while I really enjoyed the job, it was very much sitting in a cubicle, not spending a lot of time talking to people. So uh, I don't know exactly what pushed me in the direction of the Peace Corps, but something did. And I ended up in northern Peru working on water sanitation and hygiene projects that really got to combine both the soft skills and the technical skills that I learned in my undergrad. Putting those together and also coming up with a project that really impacted people's lives. I mean, we built bathrooms for people who who didn't have a me and the community leaders of the small community I was working in. So I guess it was a kind of conglomeration of enjoying the work, both getting to do kind of the, the human side of things while also focusing on the technical side of things and also really getting to work cross-culturally. I learned so much from my counterparts in Peru and I think that our project speaks for itself on the success of the projects that we worked on there. And I just really enjoyed the work. So then I went to grad school, continued down that path and um, ended up here in Matamoros. Great. You can definitely see the impact when you do humanitarian work combined with engineering. A quick side note, you'll hear us mention global response management in a moment. Global response management is an international NGO that is currently the only full-time medical provider in the camp. Now back to the interview. How did you get involved with global response management on the work in Matamoros? So this is um, kind of a funny story. I was, um, it was November of 2019. I was walking to campus one day and I heard a podcast from This American Life. Shout out to Ira Glass. Thank you for making that podcast. And it was talking about global response management in Matamoros. Obviously, the, the broader um, subject was really more about the migrant protection protocols and what was going on in the border. And they interviewed the director of global response management. So in the interview, she said one of the biggest medical problems they're facing that's really preventable was the access to clean water, sanitation, and hygiene. And in the interview, Ira Glass asked her, what are you going to do? And she said, I'll Google it. And I thought, no, I, I know how to do that. Don't Google it. So I um, emailed her. I spoke with my graduate advisor and a few other grad students, got a small team together, and then, and then went down there in December of 2019. And then I came back in May of 2020, right when I graduated, for a week. And then I thought, you know what, this is just where I need to be. So I moved down here in June. That's a great story. I always like hearing how people start doing the work they're passionate about. 
So now let's get into the technical challenges from an engineer's perspective. I know you've been doing a lot of work with water and sanitation in the Camp Krista. Can you talk about some of the technical challenges that you're facing in the field? So we've done quite a few projects here and each project comes with its own set, its own unique set of both social and technical challenges. One that we just finished up yesterday was a shower project. Basically we had to, the main decision that had to be made for that is the water source. We had two options. We could pump from the Rio Grande, so we would have an unlimited volume, but very low quality water, or we could get the water from the city, truck it in, which means we would have very low volume, but a very high quality of water. This was, you know, both a technical challenge because how we get the water absolutely decides how we distribute it. Because, you know, if we're getting it from the river, we have to worry about a pump system and a distribution system versus if we're getting it from the truck, we need to make sure that the truck has physical access and that we have set in place kind of a long-term plan of getting the truck to come weekly. So that was one challenge that we faced. We did end up using the truck's water, by the way. Another challenge that we faced is the Mexican government didn't want us to bury anything or to have anything that looked semi-permanent or permanent because they definitely don't want this to turn into a permanent community. So not burying any line is pretty difficult in terms of drainage because when you shower, when you wash your hands, that water has to go somewhere. And usually the way you would do it is you would put it, you know, in a pipe and bury it. But since we couldn't do that, we had to think of creative solutions, a hand sink where all the water comes into a 55 gallon barrel. And then we hired a team to come around and pump out that water. So it's kind of a workaround for not being able to bury any line. A few other challenges that we've come up with in the, the water sanitation and hygiene field would also be sanitation, because since we can't bury anything, obviously no latrines, regular, what you would consider like kind of a poor flush toilet also needed to be buried somehow, um, but also financial constraints, so difficult to fund um, Porta potties. Porta potties did end up getting funding and it kind of became the only option, not being mm -hmm. able to build anything in the ground. So that was a technical challenge that turned into an economic challenge. Um, so yeah, it, it's things like that, you know, it's both the technical, how do we physically move this water? And then the social, how do we make sure that we're not stepping on anyone's toes and that we're still welcome? So nothing is really in isolation here. It's all connected, the political, the social, the economic. So what's something that you've learned from this community that you'd like to relate to people who might not be familiar with all the challenges that they face on a daily basis? Yeah, so I think some challenges, you know, a pretty obvious lack of access to electricity, clean water sanitation, difficult to find a lawyer. But there's some other safety and security challenges that unless you're here, you probably don't see so much. Um, the Rio Grande Valley, especially on the Mexican side, has historically been plagued with gang violence, and this camp is no different. It also has um, a lot of intimidation from uh, local gangs, and um, kidnapping is a problem, sexual assault is a problem, so it's just an extremely stressful environment to live in because you have to think about how am I going to get fuel to cook my food tonight, but you also have to think about how do I protect my children so they don't end up in the hands of the wrong people? So the extreme stress that the people are under in the camp is something that I think doesn't often get very much attention. It's a very 
difficult situation to be in, even if you are with your community and with your family. It's um, not a simple solution. That was very well said. Krista, thank you for taking the time to speak with me and share your perspective. It was really interesting, and I look forward to hopefully welcoming you back to the podcast at some point. Thanks for having me, Amy. In the next episode, we'll hear from an asylum seeker about their experience living in the camp. Thank you again for listening to The Humanitarian Engineer. (laughs) 